make upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each frame is to be 10 cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, with two projections set parallel to each other. Make all the frames of the tabernacle in this way. Make 20 frames for the south side of the tabernacle and make 40 silver bases to go under them, two bases for each frame, one under each projection. For the other side, the north side of the tabernacle, make 20 frames and 40 silver bases, two under each frame. Make six frames for the far end, that is, the west end of the tabernacle, and make two frames for the corners at the far end. At these two corners, they must be double from the bottom all the way to the top, and fitted into a single ring. Both shall be like that, so that there will be eight frames and sixteen silver bases, two under each frame. Also make crossbars of acacia wood, five for the frames on one side of the tabernacle, five for those on the other side, and five for the frames on the west, at the far end of the tabernacle. The center crossbar is to extend from end to end at the middle of the frames. Overlay the frames with gold and make gold rings to hold the crossbars also overlay the crossbars with gold. Set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may take your seats. O oh Lord our God, we thank you for your word. Your word that is precise. Your word that is sure. Your word that is true. Holy Spirit, Grant us hearts to receive your word today. Grant us your eyes, your ears, and your heart, so that we may be set free, and that we may live our lives to freely love you, and love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, you've got to say it. How cool was that? Awesome. The word of God, just being read. But at the same time, someone in the UK made that visual so that we could actually see how that word comes to life. And it's given me a new insight, and hopefully it's given you new insight to being able to visualize the framework of the Mishkan, the tabernacle right here, the framework of it. So we give praise to God for those who are masterful at creating things, and uh, it's, it's a joy to be able to visualize and really remember the Word of God and cherish it in our hearts. Amen? Uh, until now, you probably read this and thought it was just kind of instructions for Ikea or something like that. No longer. Amen? No longer. It is the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the meeting place. It is the model of heaven. It is where God meets with his people. It is God's tabernacle in us. He is building that tabernacle and the temple and the church of Jesus Christ is being raised up. So we give praise to God. And I don't take any credit for the thing that you saw. I just uh, recorded my voice onto it. Amen. Can you finish this sentence for me? Your house is only as strong as its 
Very good. A plus to all. If you want gumballs, I've got some in my study. You can come for it. Your foundation of a building is what makes it strong. Foundation is so important for everything. If you think about it in a way that is spiritual, our spiritual foundation, of course, which is the Word of God. Amen? And of course, the message of the gospel, Christ crucified, and the Spirit of God pointing us in that right direction. When we have that solid foundation, the winds can come and the waves can crash, but we will stand upon the solid rock. Can I have an amen? That's right. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7 from 24 to 27. Uh, he talks about, uh, in verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, follows it is wise. Everyone say wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does, doesn't obey is foolish. Everyone say foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Two people, two builders, two people had the same vision for a house. A house, a home, a place of abode, a place of uh, being able to be secure, a place of uh, just being able to do the things that God has called you to do. The Bible, through Jesus, speaks about the wise builder who built his house on the sure foundation. And I've explained to you the sure foundation is truth. And uh, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and therefore we base our faith on Jesus Christ alone, the solid rock. Amen? He is the wise person. The other person had the same vision to to have a home and uh, to have security and warmth and whatnot. But this is the person who hears the teachings of Jesus and does not follow through. Those who hear the word but do not follow through with the word. And evidently, uh, this foolish man's house, person's house, will fall down when the winds and the waves come. For instance, if you have uh, difficulties, sufferings, pains, loss in your life, they will experience a crashing down of their faith, which was really no faith at all, because it was based on the sand. The sand shifts. The sand is not steady. The sand is the fleeting ideas of the world, principles that the world gives you. By the way, those principles don't, don't hold for even two months. Everything changes just like that. But the word of God, our sure foundation, does not change. And the word of God tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can trust him. And we need to be wise people who not only hear the teachings of Jesus, but to obey them, to follow through. Everyone say, follow through. follow through. Amen. So we come to today's sermon, and it's titled, Here I Stand. Everyone say, Here I Stand. Here I stand. Don't stand up just now. After the sermon, you can stand, and I will commission you to go. Uh, but we'll be talking about the frames of of the tabernacle, and through that, I want you to begin to, to see how the Lord wants us to stand as Christ followers, as the church, and as a people of God. We are basing it off 
the word of God. Amen? Amen. Well, you know already about the Mishkan. It is the meeting place, the, tent, the, the meeting place where God meets with his people. And we've learned about the four coverings from the outside in, uh, protection, redemption, holiness, and then glory of God. Uh, but like I said at the beginning, uh, this can't stand by itself. It needs some kind of support. And so God already in his wisdom tells Moses how to build this. And it's boards made out of acacia wood, and it's overlaid with gold. And it's not only uh, uh, standing upright, but it has bases. The boards of the tabernacle do not touch the ground. The boards of the tabernacle do not touch the ground. The boards of the tabernacle are like us, believers of Jesus Christ. Why? The wood uh, represents our humanity. <laughs> the gold overlaid with gold represents who? God's divinity. And he has robed us with righteousness through the blood of Jesus. And therefore we're able to stand upright as the people of God. I love how the boards are, are so straight and organized and together. One board does not say to the other board, I don't need you. The board does not stand out like a sore thumb. It is aligned to the will of God, to the promises of God. Amen? And we stand as a people of God. And also it has uh, these, uh, these bars that go around it uh, so that it is held together. And throughout the next couple of weeks, we'll be learning about the frame and the structure. This skeletal structure, which held up the drapes, screening of the tabernacle was made of acacia wood. And it consisted of three walls, three walls, uh, 15 feet tall. And for support, these columns rested on silver pedestals. There's a meaning to the silver. We'll get to that in a moment, which were inserted into uh, and, and then there were uh, upright planks connected to the tenons and crossbars, which were inserted into gold or silver lined slots. The entire structure measured about 30 cubits, 45 feet in length and 10 cubits in height and width. Now, remember, the boards represent who? The followers of Jesus Christ. We cannot save ourselves. We have no uh, strength to be able to pull ourselves out of the pit of hell only by the grace of God and by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior, who says he is the way, the truth, and the life, we can be saved. And therefore we have been robed with, overlaid with his gold, his righteousness. And now we are no longer sinners. We are sinners saved by grace. And God calls us what? Saints. Saints of the Lord. Now those who come from a Catholic background, you might think, oh my goodness, I am not a saint. And that's the whole purpose of it. It is by His grace. It is by His blood. It is by His sovereign act of grace who has pulled us together as a people of God. And that's why we can always be humble before Him. Humility. Lord, I don't deserve this. I deserved wrath. That's what I deserved. And by your grace, you saw fit to send your one and only son 2,000 some years ago to die the death that I deserved and to live a life that I will live forevermore, a sinless, glorious, victorious life. And that's why we can stay humble, but humble people always give praise and give thanks. And that's what we're known for here at DCN. We praise the Lord. We glorify his name together.
Now, I told you uh, that silver has significance. Silver uh, is mainly in the Bible uh, pointed towards redemption, mainly pointed towards redemption. It actually talks uh, about uh, how the Lord, uh, how the Lord uh, separates us from the world through his own sacrifice. And therefore, and therefore, we, we need to understand why do these boards have silver pedestals that separate them from the floor base of the tabernacle? What is the flooring of the tabernacle? Anyone want to guess? It's just dirt. It's the wilderness dirt that is at the base. But God's people, God's house, does not connect directly to the dirt. It stands upon the silver. Remember this. It's not directly touching the ground. It does not directly touch it. It has a foundation. A house is only as strong as its foundation. And the foundation is silver pedestals, both one on each side of the board. And it supports that board. And it supports the Mishkan, the tabernacle of the Lord. So the foundation is the dirt, the earth, representing the world, right? And the frames were standing on silver bases. Now, silver is the metal associated with redemption and payment for sin. Now, some of you, your light bulbs are going off right now. Oh, Pastor Elijah is going to talk about Jesus again. Amen. You're right. <laughs> Who do we stand on? On his righteousness? On his death? On his resurrection? On his ascension? Sending us the Holy Spirit? And he's going to come to judge the living and the dead. We stand upon him, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who paid your price to purchase you and me from sin, death, and darkness once and for all. Who do we stand on? The silver, the atoning redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So our feet, we don't touch the ground. It always is supported by his atoning sacrifice. We are no longer of the world. Though we live in the world, we are not of the world. Hallelujah. We live as kingdom people. We live with the wisdom and the discernment of God. We don't live with our own thinking and feelings. Oh, pastor, I feel like worshiping the Lord this morning. Your feelings really don't matter. I'm so sorry. Did I hurt your feelings? We worship God because he is the I am who I am, who has atoned for sin. And the silver of the Mishkan at the bases of the boards represents Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let me turn your attention to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, verse 11 to 16. Exodus 30, 11 to 16. Let me read for you real quick here. 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. Each one who crosses over to those already counted is to give half give a half shekel according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs 20 gerahs. This half shekel is an offering to the Lord. All who cross over those 20 years old or more are to give an offering to the Lord. 
God wanted the Israelites to have a census to count how many people they had. And with each person, God commanded them to give an offering. And this half shekel, and, and the ancient Near East and the, and the scholars have studied that usually uh, the, the currency back in those days was made out of what? Silver. The currency was made out of silver. And the half shekel was not an exorbitant amount of money. It wasn't too small. It wasn't too large. Anyone who could uh, give, they could give that amount. And the Lord wanted each person to give half a shekel. Those who are 20 years old or more, to give an offering to the Lord. By the way, this is ransom money. The half shekel is ransom money. It means everyone owes God. Everyone is obligated to him. We live in such a world that everyone is so entitled, entitled God owes me. He should be so grateful that I've come to church and I raised my hand during the singing and I sat down quietly during the message and I, I tipped him just a little bit here and there. So he should be grateful to me, uh, not necessarily, according to the word of God. We owe God. Why? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Of God, I love what Spurgeon talks about, uh, about this text in Exodus 30. Let me read for you. The Lord commanded that every male over 20 years of age should pay half a shekel as redemption money, ransom money, confessing that he deserved to die, owning that he was in debt to God, and bringing the sum demanded as a type of a great redemption, which would by and by be paid for the souls of the sons of of men. In other words, Jesus Christ would finally pay that cost on the cross for our sins. It's not surprising that as history continued, the Israelites based their temple tax off of this text, where they gave silver to the Lord. It actually comes in Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 24 to 27. I don't have all the time to read it, but let me summarize it for you. Uh, Jesus and his disciples uh, come to Capernaum, and the collectors of the temple tax came to them. Uh, and so, uh, in short, uh, Jesus uh, says to Peter, listen, you're going to go find a fish, and it's going to have a coin inside its mouth, and it's worth four drachmas. One coin, four drachmas. Now, in, in, the, in those age, four drachmas is one shekel, one full shekel worth. So when Jesus says, go find that fish and take the, take the coin out and give it to them as temple tax, he's actually not only paying for himself, he's paying for Peter who actually did the will of God by going to the fish and did not say to Jesus, Jesus, what are, you, what are you thinking? I've been a fisherman all my life. I've never found a coin. I'm just kind of holy imagination, okay? And, and you could teach Jesus. But Peter was able to go and find that fish, take the coin out, and pay the temple tax. All of these things are connected to the shekel, the half shekel for each person. The silver, which is ransom money. Somebody paid for you. Somebody paid it forward. 
Somebody died for you. Somebody took the bullet for you. Somebody took the blade for you. Somebody took the shame for you. There was someone who paid the price for you and for me. And that's why we are forever grateful to be in his presence and to serve him. Serving the Lord is not a chore. If it is, you've got to check where your heart is. I've got to check where my heart is. Lord, am I living under grace or under legalism? Well, I've got to look good in front of the pastor. You don't need to look good in front of me. It's no, it's no worth. It's no worth. You've got to look good in front of God. Amen. And he sees you. And he knows you. And if, even if no one sees you for the good, righteous works that you're doing, God sees you. And that should comfort us. Amen? Amen. So the four drachmas is one shekel, and Jesus pays the temple tax. He is showing that he is fulfilling... The word. Wow. And through the tabernacle, what do we find? We find ourselves not standing on the world itself, but standing upon these foundations of silver. That is the only way to stand. The only way to stand is by standing upon the atonement sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We in ourselves, even though I trust you, I trust that we're good people. Amen? We're pretty good? Yeah. Debbie, you want to pat yourself on the back a little bit? Yeah, well done. Yeah. We're all quite good. But good does not get us there. Being nice does not get us there. Only through the sacrifice of Jesus can we be saved and cleansed. Amen? Amen? And so we stand upon the silver, which is the purchase, the ransom money for me and for you. When we stand on the atonement, the blood of Jesus, the word of God, there are fruits that will come from a firm foundation. Fruits that will just be born. There is steadfastness. There is peace, a sense of shalom, a sense of setness. There is a sense of hope, knowing that because I did not stand up on myself in the first place, God will continue to let me stand before him, righteous, loved, and cherished. I don't need to worry about what uh, the future will hold because I trust in the one who has led us to this point thus far. And like the hymnist says, and by grace, he will lead us home. When we are standing upon the atonement, the sure foundation of Jesus Christ, we can be joyous. You don't need to worry. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to panic. You don't need those pills no more. You don't need that substance no more. You don't need to have those codependent relationships with people, for some with animals, no more. No more codependent relationships. Why? Because our dependence is upon the atonement sacrifice of Jesus Christ, symbolized in the silver that helps us to stand, Amen. erected firmly. When we have the blood of Jesus, there is much clarity in our thinking. The word of God tells us to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. So all of our thinking that may come from the world, the dust or the wind, blow some winds and ideas to us because we're standing on the sure foundation of the silver, the atonement, everything is filtered through Christ. 
Jesus, how would you have me handle this situation? Lord, grant me the wisdom that I need to overcome this difficult, perhaps impossible situation. And you stand upon the word of God and you trust in his promises so you don't need to worry no more. Wow. That brought down your blood pressure by 20 points, whatever, right? Wow, we can trust you, Lord. Thank you. Do you know that 80 to 90% of the people worry about things that will probably never happen. It's not here yet. You know, we talk, well, pastor, I'm worried about what's going to happen in 20 years. And then I'm just worried about the gas prices, pastor. I'm worried about the taxes. I'm, I'm like, okay, I hear you, but has it happened yet? Has gas prices reached $100 yet? It hasn't happened yet. So while we are worrying about something that probably will not happen, we miss out on all the opportunities of the present time now to share the goodness and the grace of our Lord Jesus. There's no point in worrying. For if worrying would help us, Jesus would have told us so. Brothers and sisters, continue to worry. Yes. Worry, worry, and worry. And just be anxious. And, and once in a while, have those panic attacks too and whatnot. <laughs> I can't find in my Bible Jesus saying that to us. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Many a times, I am here. I am your God. I am your Lord. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You don't need to fret. Don't be frightened. It's all right, son. It's all right, daughter. I'm here for you. I am the foundation to which you think and you talk and you act. And I am God. Hallelujah. Wow. So we say thank you. Thank you, God, for your protection and care over my life. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, there have been many times in my life where I should have died. I should have been dead. And yet by your grace and by your mercy, you saved me. A wretch that I was, you called me and sanctified me. And now you want me to be your mouthpiece. I stand before the cross of Jesus and I say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the testimony of all of our lives, no? Because we are the frames of the tabernacle God has erected. The 48 boards and the 96 silver pieces that raise it up. And then the coverings. And then the glory of God covers it. And we live in his presence. Hallelujah. We serve the living, mighty God. Nothing is impossible for him. And with that posture, we can say with all of our hearts, here I stand. Can you say that with me? Here I stand. We stand before him, a holy God. So let me ask you, what do you stand on today? Who do you stand on? Amen. What basis, what foundation holds you up? There was a 16th century monk and theologian, probably one of the most important figures in Christian history, one of them at least anyway. Um, great leader, great leader. And he entered the monastery as, as a youth and as a man, he, he actually shattered the structure of the medieval church. 
He spoke out against corrupt religious practices that then existed. His, uh, he demanded that the authority and the doctrine for every practice of the church should be based on scripture. Rather than popes or councils echoed around the world and he actually ignited a, a great reformation. Now, he wasn't applauded for what he did back then. Actually, he was accused of heresy, threatened with excommunication, threatened with death. And this man maintained his bold stand and refused to recant. In his crusade to eliminate religious abuses, he did more than any man to establish the Protestant faith. He wrote the 95 Theses in 1517, uh, objected to the selling of indulgences. Uh, it's just the way that the church ran itself back then. Uh, you could pay money so that you can get people out of hell and into heaven. Uh, we, we don't believe that. As I've been preaching... Uh, we stand upon the atonement sacrifice of Jesus Christ. No amount of money, no amount of effort will get us. You can't beg your way to heaven either. Amen. It's by grace. Amen? This man also, he translated the whole Bible into German, 1534. Uh, so all this man had to do was to recant. And all will be forgiven. Just recant. And he responded with these now, very famous words. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Thus, I cannot and will not recant. Because acting against one's conscience is neither safe nor sound, here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. Amen. Do you know this person? Martin Luther? Amen. Yes. Martin Luther. He based his life on the sure foundation. And though he faced persecution and he faced a lot of difficulties and troubles, but we owe much to the forefathers of our faith who went before us and stood their ground. Here I stand. I can do no other. When's the last time you stood up for Jesus in your workplace, in your home, on the streets while you're driving? When's the last time you said, here I stand and I can do no other because the word of God is foundational to my life. I will not compromise. I will not lie. I will not cheat. I will not do the things that the Lord would not want me to do. Where are the Martin Luthers of today? God is searching hard for people who will make a stand based on truth. Acting in love. God is searching for the people today whose conscience is captive to the word of God. God is searching for Christ followers today who will not recant and not betray Jesus Christ. Where are the churches of Jesus Christ today 
who will declare, here I stand, I can do no other. At the risk of persecution, at the risk of disease, false accusations, at the risk of slander, at the risk of death, at the risk of losing our tax-exempt status, at the risk of losing our building, who will say, here I stand? God is looking intently this morning at the tabernacles that are being formed in your own heart. Are we truly the frames that are held up by the silver bases? Or are we boards of wood that touch the ground and compromise our faith and become compromised believers? God is looking intently this morning for churches that will be the remnant in these end times. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. No time to delay. Oh, well, Pastor, I'll, I'll believe Jesus when I retire. I've got to live for myself now. Lord, have mercy. There's no time to delay. God's tabernacle must be built securely in us and around us so that we will not be defiled in these trying times. In the end times, I'm telling you, so many people who we used to worship with may recant of their faith because it gets so hard. We may need to suffer, but for Jesus, amen. Why is it so quiet in here? If we need to go without food, if we need to go without the comforts of life, so be it. I was praying and the Lord reminded me, yes, I have come to give you comfort, but don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. This life that we're living here is like a short breath, like a mist that's here one moment, gone the other. Don't get too comfortable. God is looking intently at God's people this morning who will stand up for Jesus. Stand up for what is true, righteous, and holy. And by the way, when you stand, because Martin Luther stood up, now we have the churches of Jesus Christ continuing the mission. Amen. God used this man. He can use you in your families, to your descendants, to the people that you have influence over so that when you make a stand, people look to you and see the Christ who is in you activated by the Holy Spirit, their faith will grow too. In everything that we do, we exemplify and we exalt Jesus. We're so filled with his spirit that it just oozes out of us. I often talk about the tree that bears fruit. Have you ever seen a tree like, I'm, oh, I'm going to bear fruit. Oh, the constipated tree analogy, right? <laughs> Oh, I'm going to bear fruit for the Lord. Come on, I'm going to bear fruit. You know, it doesn't work that way. You, you stand where there's water and you get the sun and, and the Lord just makes you bear fruit. Now I've come up with another one. Think of a sheep. Everyone say, bah. 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 We follow the good shepherd Jesus. Amen. If you follow the good shepherd Jesus, guess what? The sheep does not have to be like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear wool for my master. Oh, today I'm going to bear good wool. Come on, grow wool. Grow, right? Grow wool. The, the sheep does not do that. You follow the shepherd. You follow your master. 
and the shepherd leads you to green pastures, amen, to fresh waters, amen, and then the shepherd lets you rest, take naps, you know, the sheep, everyone say, bah, and you're taking naps, and, and just naturally, so naturally, you're bearing the wool, the fruit, and you give that to your master, your shepherd, and say, Lord, this is yours, it doesn't belong to me, all for you, all for your glory. When we are based on the silver basis, we can bear fruit according to his spirit, according to the joys that we have in him. We are free, brothers and sisters. Don't live under legalism. Because, praise the Lord. If you're going to give Jesus a hand, hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus has set us free. So live as free people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We become loveists. Loveists. Everything flowing from the love of God. Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on to 13, Now I will show you the most excellent way, the way of love. Love never fails. And therefore, based on his foundation, we're able to stand and bear fruit for the glory and the kingdom of God. You don't need to be like, oh. I mean, isn't it just really funny imagining that sheep? Bah. Bah. Grow wool, right? You know, like, no. As long as you're plugged into the source, we will bear fruit. There is much joy. And at the end of our lives, we can say to the Lord, Lord, you have saved a wretch like me, and I'm grateful. All I want is to hear those words from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come into my kingdom. Come into my rest. But until that time comes, we need to stand. We need to stand. And borrowing from the words of one of my mentors, Leonard Ravenhill, those who can stand before men, amen, they are always kneeling before God. So let me encourage all of us to kneel before him and then you will not have to fear people and God will justify you by his atonement, his sacrifice. Today I want to end uh, the message with a song that's been on my heart and I think Brenda's going to put it on, uh, on the the screen for you it's the solid rock and the chorus goes like this on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand but I love verse 1 will you sing it with me my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking when darkness, when darkness seems to hide his face. 
I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand other ground is sing verse 4 when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Your word that penetrates. Your word that gives life. Your word that is power and truth. We pray that we would not be hearers of God's word, but be the wise builders who do God's word, that follow through, put it into action, that we would base our lives on the sure foundation of Jesus. Like the board standing up the tabernacle, the Mishkan. It did not touch the ground. The silver, the redemptive power of the Lord made it stand. So Lord, though we are weak, though we are weary, though we stumble and fall, we stand again by your grace. Here I stand, O Lord. Help us to be the church of Christ that you have called us to be. In these difficult times ahead, grant us the capacity to withstand and overcome by faith, by hope, and by your great love, the most excellent way. So Lord, we thank you for your great love for us this morning. We love and honor you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.